Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Meinke, Lions beat writer for MLive, joined as always by Ben Raven. Um, shifting here into off-season mode, Ben, for the for the league, uh, Super Bowl is in the books. Um, got a mailbag coming up today, but I, I, I need to ask you about the Super Bowl, <laughs> what that experience was like, watching that game, knowing the Lions beat the champs and, you know, obviously should have beaten the team in San Francisco. Yeah, I uh, I had no plans for the Super Bowl. Lane was out of town, didn't really reach out to friends. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to Thompson & Co. in downtown Ipsy, have a nice meal, maybe a drink or two. And then it hit me. I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the 49ers team intro, and I'm watching the boombox come in, and Debo just vibing at the utmost highest of all time. And I'm just like, holy crap, two weeks ago, right now, basically at this time, I was like, booking refundable flights and refundable hotel rooms and like I'm covering a freaking Super Bowl in year five on the Lions beat and then I'm sitting in a bar watching it on mute there's like four people in the bar and I'm just like this is out of body experience man I I, I know we talked about how weird it was I'm sure you had a similar experience <laughs> well I remember being in the press box uh in San Francisco oh, and man. I you were sitting to my right and I remember at one point in the second quarter, um, <laughs> like tapping you on the shoulder and leaning in and being like, Ben, we're going to Vegas. Like this is really happening. We already had flights on the books, uh, hotel arrangements and everything else. Um, and then it, just like a few minutes later, uh, I had Nolan Bianchi from the Detroit yeah. news on my left. And he taps me on the shoulder. like, dude, we're going to Vegas. <laughs> like, this is surreal. It's like, like both sides of me in the press box. Like we're all just like, I, like, listen, we've seen the Lions lose crazy games, crazy ways, but mm -hmm. this team was different uh, in so many ways. And 17 point lead, like you just you just yeah. didn't see that coming. And two weeks later, you're watching at home uh, San Francisco, a team that was pretty thoroughly outplayed for a lot of that game. Mm -hmm. And if it weren't for a couple of Josh Reynolds drops, uh, Jameer Gibbs fumble, some really wonky stuff that turned the momentum in that game the Detroit Lions would have been in that game and watching that game and how misplayed it was by both teams in so many ways, like particularly at halftime, I'm sitting there thinking like the Lions would be winning the Super Bowl right now. It I was, know. It, it's surreal. And what they talk about with it being hard to get back there, it's, it's true to heart. It, like you have to think about missed opportunities because it is hard to get back. Even if 
everything goes right. And I think, you know, I'm on the record both here on the pod and in print saying, I think this, like this team should be better next year, but you don't know who else is going to be better and by how much you don't know about injuries and all that kind of, like there's just yeah. so many variables. And I, I was sitting there watching the Super Bowl. Uh, I was sitting there watching a shirtless usher, just like thinking like, <laughs> like I, I should be at that game right uh, now. Know, right. <laughs> and like with like six minutes left when San Francisco was driving, uh, Kansas City was going to have a, a chance for a response. I was personally thinking, OK, right now, I'm kind of <laughs> glad I'm not there because this would be an insane thing to be writing about right now. <laughs> Dude, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I know. I, I really would have liked to have been 150 yards within Alicia Keys and Usher and that, that would have been pretty sweet. Yeah. She, Alicia Keys has not lost a step. No, if any, <laughs> she's gained a couple. So, yeah. <laughs> but I will say I saw something going around Twitter that, you know, because she's she was phenomenal. She has a phenomenal voice. Oh, yeah. But she missed like the first note. And I, I I heard it live. I'm like, oh, but then she was fantastic. I mean, it, you know, voice cracked. It can happen. Um, but what I saw was when that when the halftime set was uploaded to YouTube, they used autocorrect to fix her first note so what you find on youtube oh, whoa. It, it's it's pitch perfect even though that's not what we heard live wow. and ben that has set me also through a wormhole like the last couple of days i'm like like how much of the that we see on youtube yeah. uh, isn't real anymore you know i mean half the time you have like i thought rihanna was great last year not mm -hmm. to make too much of the halftime performance but <laughs> i thought she was great but she was clearly <laughs> lip-syncing and that's yeah. a very common thing these days is is, is these performers lip-sync it's not mm -hmm. real and then even when they are real like i could hear the, like usher and uh, alicia keys like they, like they were singing live but even then it was like auto-corrected on the back end i mean wow uh, like what's real anymore <laughs> yeah, right let's go down that wormhole what's real on youtube <laughs> i love it <laughs> well the lions are are rolling into the off season um you know already signed a couple of new coaches brought them on we don't know what that means for the coaches they had last year we're you know, kind of a we just don't know what's going to happen really at this point but clearly they're, they're they've already shifted i mean the combine is i'm looking at my wow computer right now it's two weeks away ben i hope your pegs are half yeah back. we leave but, in 12 days man. i mean yeah and that's that's that, like we have to start we have to start a combine preview here like <laughs> we're still doing our position reviews yeah, yeah. like uh, we're lines beat writers, everyone. We're not used to this. Yeah, um, exactly. A new world. Um, <laughs> but we got a lot of fantastic questions, Ben, about yeah. the lines from last year, and a lot of a lot of good questions as they now proceed in 2024, where again they have a chance to be pretty good. I mean, in a lot of ways, better. Like, like they have all their key pieces under contract for next year. Doesn't mean everyone will, will be back, but um, they can do a lot of a lot of things and they have, I don't know, 60 million or so in cap space um, to get uh, extensions done, to bring in new talent. Um, I think we both expect the Lions to be, you know, influential in free agency. I don't know, you know, how much money they'll um, mm -hmm. end up spending. Now, that's not really Brad Holmes' for, you know, forte um, is spending a lot on top tier free agents, but they can do it if they want. Uh, and then, of course, the draft capital where he has, Brad Holmes has been tremendous. And we have a lot of good, great questions that hit on all this kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, so let's get rolling. Uh, I started with David Qualls' question. And, and by the way, these all, all these questions came from our subtext program, the Insider Lions texting program. Um, really great program. You can find links to sign up on any MLive Lions story at the bottom. Um, 
text us. Um, it's fun to hear from you guys. And we get a lot of great questions through that program. So sign up if you haven't. Um, I'm contract contractually obligated to say that. <laughs> and I have and I forget half the time and then I get yelled at. So we're off to a good start here, Ben. That's right. Um, but I chose this question from David, and yeah. I, I know you know the one that I'm I pulled out just because I thought it was an interesting take on everything, and I thought it would be a good diving in point. David wants to know. I know I'm in the minority here, but I think this is a huge offseason for Brad Holmes. Yes, he's done an outstanding job in the draft, but I feel like he could have improved the team at the trade deadline and didn't. His top two defensive free agent signings missed over 30 games this past season. He's going on year four and hasn't found a reliable pass rush, cornerback one, or kicking options. He's also had some internal defensive extensions for Romeo Aquara, Michael Brockers, Charles Harris, uh, Tracy Walker. Although I think Tracy might have been, no, yeah, yeah, Tracy was under Brad, but um, those didn't work out at all. Uh, the offseason is already off to a good start, bringing back both coordinators and getting Frank Ragnow back. What does Brad Holmes have to do to earn an A grade this offseason? So that's definitely a different take than most people. I mean, Brad Holmes mm -hmm. is the reigning executive <laughs> of the year. He's right. taken a team uh, that was you know, just decimated by the previous regime, um, last place and, and um, barren roster and all that kind of stuff, bad culture and turned it into, you know, a team that went to the NFC championship game in three years. Yeah. So the thing I wanted to say to David Qualls' question, and then I want to get your response, Ben, is there's no perfect team in the NFL. I mean, I mean, rarely, and certainly not this year. Like if you watch the Super Bowl, you would see what I mean. There's like, you know, fumbles all over the field, bad plays, missed tackles. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs just won the Super Bowl and they led the league and dropped passes. Like you can win in this league without being a perfect team. And the Lions showed that this year. They were an outstanding elite team that made it all the way to the, the league semifinals. And David's right. They're, they don't. They mm. didn't have a, a cornerback one. They didn't have a reliable pass rush outside of Aiden Hutchinson. They they didn't have a reliable kicking option, particularly from deep. They they changed kicker, kickers in the last month of the regular yeah, season. That's right. Um, and they still made it as far as they did. But obviously, there's room for growth, and and that I think is something that David said very well. So I guess what are your thoughts, Ben, on what Brad has to do this off season, despite all the good good work he has done to get the Lions to this point this quickly? Yeah, great question from David. Because while he's harsh and in the minority, I mean, it, it, there's there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. But I will those internal defensive extensions, man. The NFL is a tough world, man. There's two Achilles injuries and a bum hamstring that lasted about a year and a half that really drove those contracts into the ground. And I think there's a reason why he didn't get hammered for those two defensive free agent signings last year. It's because they were in an interesting spot and he was trying to value value monetarily and also player wise. And they took a chance on a guy coming off an injury and they took a chance on a guy who didn't get the market rate he was expecting to get and Gardner Johnson slash CD Deuce and Emmanuel Mosley. So I think... I, I just think that was a, a fallen victim to the risk that he took in that stage of the rebuild. But yeah, I, I just, obviously, if he's trying to earn an A grade this offseason, finding a cornerback two to go along with Cam Sutton, finding a little pass rush help and keep stabilizing the offensive line, that, that's how you earn an A grade, I, I think. I, I And I think he's probably got the one of the easiest paths to earning an A grade among general managers in the league. And I think he's one of the most proven guys at it already too. But yeah, I think... And you teed it up nicely with the cap space, and we all know the extensions are going to be there and stuff, but I really do think that Brad kind of 
set the new norm of free agency. I know he said it might be a little bit different here, but they're still in a position where they could do a three for 30 or a three for 20 type type deals to veteran level starters. So I just think staying in that wheelhouse and, you know, finding, finding a pass rush, a cornerback, and maybe, maybe trying to stabilize the kicking option. Maybe this is just the life under Brad Holmes and screw it. We'll figure a kicker out in December every year. (laughs) That's what it's kind of felt like, but, uh, yeah, I, I I just think that that's how Brad earns an A, and I a lot of truth in what David's saying. But yeah, it's like you said, it's not perfect, and the Lions are built just about better than anybody in terms of youth, skill, and forward thinking ability to fill some of those holes. Right on, Ben. I I totally agree with you. Um, it makes your life easier when you have the dominant offensive line play the Lions have had. It makes everyone else better, and Jared Goff. Uh, is a great example of that. Under duress, he's uh, an average, maybe a below average quarterback. Thing is, he has a great offensive line. Um, I, I, I think the Lions had like one, like maybe the fourth or fifth best sack rate allowed in the league this year. And when Jared Goff was kept clean, he was the number two rated passer in the league this year behind Brock Purdy. I think he had 28 touchdowns and three picks when kept clean. Um, and then, of course, they have the running game. I think they were third or fourth this year on the ground. Um, and, you know, it just wasn't – it wasn't just the productivity on the ground, but the how diverse the scheme is. I mean, they they, they run every kind of run play, run scheme that exists. I, I, I don't think there's a more diverse run scheme in the league. And having Panay Sewell at right yeah. tackle, <laughs> athletic guard like Jonah Jackson, all that stuff helps. So my point being, you know, I think – Everything you said is correct. I think in addition to that, they need to find solutions um, for the short and long term on the offensive line. And, you know, Frank Ragnow is back, but battered. And that's going to be a thing going forward with the toe. Um, They have two starting guards who are free agents in March as of right now and Graham Glasgow and, and Jonah Jackson. So they got to fight, figure out, do they want to sign one of those guys, both of those guys? And if not, you need to have plans ready in either free agency or more likely in the draft uh, to bring in new blood that can you know continue the success they have up front because this offense for as good as Goff was and he was phenomenal this year phenomenal in the playoffs you know turnover free football um he threw for the most yards up until the Super Bowl in the playoffs I mean he, the guy was great uh, they had two really good running backs uh, Jameer Gibbs was phenomenal uh, Sam Laporta was phenomenal Amon Ra but none of these guys are what they are if they have an average offensive line. And they need to, I, I think they need to invest. Um, it, it may seem a little counterintuitive because the offensive line was so good and they have more pressing needs at corner, like you said, edge rusher. Like those are things they have to hit on this this offseason to um, get back to where they were last year to to make the Super Bowl. But also reinvesting in what makes you great, reinvesting yeah. in what gives you your identity on offense, which is still how this team wins football games. Um, so for as good as the offensive line was, I need to see investments there. And we talk a lot about the guard situation because those guys are are free agents. Mm-hmm. Um, but left tackle, baby, I, I wrote about it a little bit the other day yeah. with Taylor Decker, because for as much as everyone's talking about Amon Ross St. Brown extension, Jared Goff extension, even a Panay Sewell extension sometime this year or the next uh, Taylor Decker is a free agent after 2024. He's currently scheduled to go into a contract year and with all the money they have to go invest elsewhere. I'd, I'm not expecting a, a Taylor Decker extension necessarily, but if but they could do it and Taylor wants to stay here. And he hinted to me, he'd probably take a little less money than market value to do it because he wants to stay here. 
But if you can't invest that money in left tackle because you have more money going into guard or right tackle or or wherever else, I mean, drafting an offensive tackle even highly in this in this draft right. could be on the table because you have to have um, a succession plan at that position. It's too important. Um, and particularly for a, a team that's built around the offensive line and has a quarterback that needs to be kept clean to to um, to prosper, uh, is is I think critical for Brad Holmes to consider as well this offseason. No, absolutely. And we've got a bunch of offensive line questions this week, but like I'm glad you said it because one of my like favorite growing ideas as you like start to think about the draft for the first time is like man take one of those big husky tackles have some guard insurance or maybe a rookie starter and then if you don't re-sign taylor you got a built-in left tackle in panay Sewell, and then you can move that big rookie guy out to right tackle so i really have grown on the idea of finding like maybe a potential right tackle for the future who can start off playing guard and there's a lot of those guys in the draft so yeah it's solidifying that offensive line i mean it it's got to be up there with cornerback and edge rusher as the top three priorities all of a sudden mario caracas wants to know order of rankings for resigns and extensions for taylor decker josh reynolds graham glasgow amon ross st brown Jonah jackson penny sewell cj garner johnson jared goff so for me ben to answer this question it's hard to mix together the extension guys with the resigning guys so mm-hmm. let's let's consider those as as um separate buckets as far as the extensions go, I think the top guys up for them uh, are Jared Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown, Panay Sewell, and Taylor Decker. Mm-hmm. For you, what's the what's the most pressing priority in that in that group? Panay Sewell. Panay Sewell's number one for me, just because of who he is, his age, his age, and also that it's going to be a market resetting deal. So Panay's at the top, and then I think it's yeah. got to be Goff second, right? Because the starting quarterback, and then. St. Brown and Decker, right? Those were the four. Yeah, those are the four. I have them in a different order. Um, All right. Because, well, I mean, Panay, he's a 23 year old superstar, best offensive tackle in the league, can do things no one else in the league can do at his position. Like he, like he is going to be here for the long term in one way yeah. or another. Um, but he does have one more year left on his rookie deal. They have a fifth year option for him for 2025 that will inevitably be picked up. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the deadline is in May sometime, and that will happen. So with him under club control through 2025, like yeah, like, like I mean, he he's a he's obviously a priority, and something could happen this off season. But they can easily wait until next off season, and they don't lose anything there. And giving him an extension now with two years left under club control control that kind of thing happens sometimes and it happened with frank ragnow like he signed that deal a couple of years ago that big money extension yeah, that's right. the season he just played in 2023 that was the first year of the extension so like you know i mean they could do something ahead of time with panay but they don't have to and with jared goff i think you have to like with what he means to this team right now the position that he plays, the 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 need to have security at that position in this league, um, and then also, you know, he's prospered because of the faith and confidence that the Lions have given him that he wasn't getting in L.A. and giving like like having that guy play through a contract year with Hendon Hooker uh, in the mix now, a third round pick. I, I think it signals to him, yeah, maybe we're in on you, but maybe we're not. And I think that that. It introduces questions that you don't want to have asked at the quarterback position, a lack of security or or, or whatever about that position. I think I think Jared's played so well now that he'll be QB one for sure next year. And um, it's just rare to see a quarterback 
of his meaning to this team um, play through a contract year in this league. And it would be strange to see him not get that extension. And uh, I just don't think the Lions would go down that path. I think St. Brown, for me, is behind Goff, number yeah. two, in terms of the order of extensions, because uh, like much like Panay, uh, he embodies every atom of the, of the DNA right. of this rebuild in terms of the production, of course, but the consistency, the big plays and the biggest moments. I mean, he was top 10 in the league in third down catches that moved the chains. Um, that, that, I mean, he, he is just um, phenomenal. And without him, like what does Jared Goff look like without Amon Ross St. Brown, without that security blanket, um, the consistency with which he wins in these biggest moments like that, that that's how you win games like it's not just padding stats like you extend drives you score points because of guys like Amon Ross St. Brown and he makes everyone better he sets the tone in practice he sets the tone for the culture in the in the locker room um and he's going into a contract year where he's going to make I don't know I, I should probably should have looked it up but like two million dollars or something yeah. so like getting something done and making him happy and showing everyone in Detroit this is what happens um when you play well, when you ask what we want, because he's done everything they've ever wanted. Um, I think that for me is the second priority this year. And then Panay, which could happen this year, but hey, if you don't have the money or you want to invest it in free agency or whatever, that can be done next year. I don't think you lose anything. And then after all of that, Taylor Decker. And I think Taylor Decker is still a really solid player, uh, really important. Taylor wants to be here. The Lions want him to be here. It's just really a matter of the money. Can the Lions invest the money in a left tackle? when they're going to have to spend probably market setting money on, on Panay whenever that gets done down the road. Plus, um, you know, $45 million a year sure, for Jared yeah. Goff, $20 million <laughs> for Amon Ra. I, I like they, every party wants Taylor Decker in Detroit beyond 2024, but it's a, it's a financial matter of whether they can get that done as well as everything else. And even the golf point, and I, I guess I was just thinking in terms of overall importance when I did my rankings. And it's just like at the end of the day, Panay Sewell's the number one most important to this franchise in my mind, like even over the quarterback future thinking. So that's but yeah, golf, golf. If we're talking like recent, like this needs to get down as soon as possible. Golf is because you don't want another Daniel Jones type to come in and get 50 million a year this year and out, taking out the mental aspect of it, taking out the support and showing the confidence aspect of them it's just like you don't want to play around with that quarterback market because for the last 15 years it's done nothing but grow every single offseason so that is definitely yeah <laughs> and then we have the bucket of re-signings for pending free agents yeah and i think the guys atop that list um and mario outlined it, it well uh graham glasgow josh reynolds cj garner johnson and, and uh jonah jackson um, what's your priority in that bag? Uh, it goes Graham Glasgow, Jonah Jackson, Josh Reynolds, CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah. And uh, just, I just don't see a reunion happening with CJ. And that's why I put him forth. And uh, I, and to a much lesser extent than St. Brown, Jared Goff, you know, that, that 2021 spark kind of started when Josh Reynolds was claimed here. And I know he had those two brutal drops in the NFC title game that people aren't going to be over for a long time, but he has been a very consistent, reliable glue piece, especially in the red zone for this offense. And I think you could get him at a pretty bargain deal. And for a team that is lacking a veteran outside threat, you know, it just didn't click with Donovan Peoples-Jones outside of some random fourth and third down conversions out of nowhere. Very clutch plays, not too many of them. But I do think Josh Reynolds is... uh 
Khalif Raymond levels glue type important to this offense. And then Jackson is second for me just because he's probably going to cost a lot. And I do value Glasgow costing a little less, the way he fit in with this group and his versatility at center and guard. So he is at the top of my list there. Yeah, my list is the same as yours, and I don't nice. know if I have too much new to add. Um, you know, we love Graham. Graham's a friend of the program. Um, uh, good player, and he's been a good player throughout his career. I think uh, I think underappreciated, and he was good player in his first tour with with Detroit, um, and wanted to come back. And instead, that regime, the previous regime, put him in this weird guard rotation with a guy named Kenny Wiggins. Which That's is, right. Nobody, <laughs> nobody remembers besides us watching Kenny Wiggins play ahead of Graham Glasgow in 2000, what was it, 20? Yeah, Joe uh, Dahl. <laughs> um, or 2019, whatever it was, but the final year uh, of those guys. Um, and yeah, it was strange and it suppressed his value, which thrilled Graham Glasgow. And okay. he ended up going um, to Denver in free agency, uh, played well, pretty well out there, had some injuries and stuff, but came back and he took a discount to come here, Ben. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the deal was what, $4 million maybe? One year, $4 million, yeah. something like that. Uh, but he told his agent, as long as the numbers are within a certain parameter, like get, get my ass to Detroit. Because <laughs> that's like, I never wanted to leave. My friends are there and these guys are going to win. And Look what's happened, you know. Like, I mean, he played with Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow. Um, these guys he's known forever. He was um, roommates with Taylor Decker's rookie year, which is kind of a strange um, thing, but it shows yeah. you how close these guys are. Uh, and I know Graham, having talked to him a lot this this year, he really enjoyed playing right next to Panay Sewell, which I think anybody would. But those guys got real tight. Um, there's just a lot of like beyond the play, which was really good. He was top ten as a guard according to Pro Football Focus, but just fit in really well culturally. And I think the thing you hit on best, Ben, is the versatility. And I think when you have Frank Ragnow's injury situation, which will persist throughout his career, you need a a viable plan B uh, at center. And that's exactly what Graham Glasgow is. He can be um, a really good guard when he plays there. And if you need a center, he can be above average center too. I mean, I think above average might be doing him a disjustice, an injustice because um, he played really well. Like I don't remember any issues when he played. Mm-hmm. I think there was one one botched snap uh, between Glasgow and and Golf, and other than that, it was pretty clean play. Um, so I think for all those reasons, uh, Graham Glasgow will be the priority over Jonah Jackson. And when you consider that Glasgow will inevitably get less money than Jonah Jackson because of their ages and whatnot. Um, I think for this team, it's going to have to invest so much money elsewhere. Needs a guy who can play multiple positions. Graham Glasgow is going to be the top priority among the free agents to be in Detroit. Then Jonah, Josh Reynolds, you hit on it. Like I, I, I think it makes sense to bring him back. Um, either way, I, I still think receiver will be uh, yeah. something they hit on probably later in the draft, or maybe find a guy like, like a Khalif Raymond in free agency. Because as much as you love, you have what you have in Amon Ra, um, and then. You know, everyone expects bigger things from Jamison Williams next year, um, and I do too. Yeah. But you need stuff behind those two, particularly considering the slow development of Jamison. I think rolling into next season and thinking, oh, these guys, we're going to roll out these couple of guys and be great. Like You need someone, someone else, and Josh Reynolds can be that guy. You could also go out and sign or draft somebody um, with good value that can fit into that mix as well. And then Garner Johnson... I think ultimately the Lions want to bring him back. You don't you don't want to let good players go, and he's a good player. He brings attitude that you don't have otherwise. 
the thing is, is I, I don't know if he'll want to come back because you already have Kirby Joseph at safety. And then while CJ was down, you had the emergence of, of Ify, uh, Malafanwu. And man, yeah, how good was Ify this year? Just a revelation, um, especially as a blitzer. He's picking off passes in the back. And I mean, it felt like the guy was a big play waiting to happen every time he was on the field. And that's something that we haven't felt in a safety in a while. And mm-hmm. um, the physicality he brings in the box. I mean, he told me, I talked to him during the playoffs, had a pretty good conversation with him about the blitzing, just like that in particular part of his game. And he was telling me like they he didn't even – he was never a blitzer in college. He blitzed one time. Yeah, and, yes, yeah. and yes, he got the sack. <laughs> um, and then he came to Detroit and was a corner who moved back to safety and had some injuries. And just, yeah, he didn't do the blitzing thing until this offseason. And even with like an unrefined technique, he was winning those drills nine times out of 10. And he's like, go talk to the coaches. They'll tell you the same thing. I was winning 90% of my reps. And the Lions have pretty good pass protection you know and <laughs> at some point they're like yeah we just have to get this guy out there and he was tremendous down the stretch um now he has a full off season to to work things out uh, to refine his game and his technique um like basically what i'm saying is like yeah the lines would love to have cj garner johnson back but does he want to come back to a group that's young and talented um and have to basically share a roles in, in probably a three-man rotation I, I don't think that's cj carter johnson so yeah. i think ultimately it's probably like their interests are probably just going to diverge uh this offseason yeah absolutely absolutely now the emergence of malafano man one of my favorite parts from this run because it's just like man it was just kind of about health for him because like it's just kind of crazy but yeah it, it's hard cj i mean shoot he was a uh, kind of throwing a mini fit about the three-man rotation before it happened, and then he kind of chilled out. But, yeah, he's someone's going to pay him. That man led the NFL in interceptions a year ago, and there just aren't slot snaps for him here either. So maybe he can go somewhere and go back to the slot. So, yeah, I just – great player. Don't see it happening. We've hit on this question a little bit already, Ben, but Brandon from the Tri-Cities asks, and I just want to hit on it a little bit, a little bit more. Now, is it more likely that they get a deal done with Taylor Decker or make him play on an expiring contract? Um, yeah. What do you think there? It does seem like Taylor is probably going to play on an expiring contract. I think that is like, if, if they're going to pick one of those to kick down to the absolute limit, it'll be Taylor. And that's not taken away from what he's done. That's not taken away how important he is to this franchise. It's just kind of where they are right now and where the precedent has to be. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, he wants, he told me, um, I talked to him for a good while, um, about getting the hell out of the snow and everything else after the season <laughs> wrapped up. I, I, I like Taylor Decker a lot. He's been around a long time. He's seen the story arc of this team, if you will, more than anyone else. He's went through some bad seasons and, and he was a good player and got rewarded with a big contract and stuck around and stayed around long enough to see the Lions finally emerge from the abyss and was a big reason for it too. He's not just a, a guy out there, a veteran out there getting paid or whatever, like good player. Um, but when you have this kind of success that the Lions are having, inevitably, as the talent level rises, you have to let talent go. You 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 can't pay every single player. And they need to pay Jerry Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown. Panay Sewell, whenever that happens, that needs to get done, needs to be accounted for, whether it's a contract extension, uh, franchise tag, whatever it is. And it's going to cost huge money to do it. Market setting money to sign that guy. Um, so... Like, can you pay a, a left tackle 
when you're already paying a right tackle the most money in the league um, while taking care of what's going to happen at guard, um, plus the extensions for a high-money quarterback um, and so on. I mean, like at some point, something can't get done. And who knows? Like maybe they do. Maybe they get some a, a team-friendly contract done, which I think is what it would take because Taylor does want to stay here. And, and maybe that happens. Um, ultimately, I think he plays out on a contract year and they reassess next offseason um, and, and go from there. And I think there's no real harm from the team perspective in doing that. Taylor's, I think, 30, maybe he turns 31 this year. So there's good years left on him, but you maybe, maybe you want to see that, let it play out before investing a, a tremendous amount of money in that position. Meanwhile, you can maybe take a late round, mid round kind of offensive tackle and see what you have there. And maybe, you know, kind of do what they did with, with, with TJ Hawkinson, right? Like Hawkinson was a great player here. Mm-hmm. Now he's having a pro bowl season um, in 2022 and they traded him in the middle of it because they didn't want to pay him. And they drafted Sam Laporta and Sam Laporta is a super productive player at that position on a rookie contract. I mean, that, this is a, a cap-based league. Like you have to be able to think about not just having the best players, but the best yeah. value for the dollar. And so, yeah, so maybe they go that route too. And and not paying Taylor this year would allow you to explore your options for a whole nother year before kind of um, having to deal with that situation. Yeah, and they'll have a better idea of their cap situation both then and in the future. And I just I just go back to what Dan said in one of his last, or maybe it was his last presser of the year when he just said like, this next phase is like we're, we're going to have to say goodbye to players we love and we got grown attached to. And like it's the risk. of I don't think that was specifically about Taylor Decker, but I do think the words apply to that situation. So just tough decisions everywhere ahead. I mean, it's uncharted waters for the next couple of years around here, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's that's like a, it's a huge difference, right? Like, and we're, we're as Lions beat writers used to bad teams and and so on. Like, this is new territory. Where it's like, hey, like, like before it was like, hey, here are the priorities, and you have every resource to get it done. Yeah. Now it's like you just have so many guys who are so good. Like, you have hard decisions to make. The decisions get harder going forward, yep. um, and that's why Brad Holmes makes a lot more money than we do. That's right. Um, <laughs> um, so, by by the way, Brandon from Tri Cities. Uh, also asked us about the best way like to get us a, <laughs> to buy us a beverage during the draft. I didn't know if I was going to include this question or not. I thought about like putting a Venmo out like, but like, honestly, the best way to support us to, to buy us a beverage during the draft is, is listen to the podcast, click on our stories, support our work. Um, and um, it feels really uncomely of me to, Hey, <laughs> here's how you can buy me a beer. Like I would love to be bought a beer, but um I don't have it in me to like throw my Venmo out there. <laughs> right. It no, I'm not there. Really, yeah. It seems, it seems strange. Yeah. I appreciate the words though, Brandon. We appreciate the support. We've gotten a lot of um, yeah. messages like that. I mean, the numbers on the podcast, the the comments that we've gotten have been tremendous coming out of the season. Um, and it's been something I didn't really expect, Ben. Um, I, I think maybe it's the byproduct of winning more people are just interested and they, they found our little humble production here. Um, and it's been a, a fun year of, um, connecting with everyone absolutely i mean when we started this podcast the lions were 0 10 and 1 so it's been nothing but upward since i, I yeah you've mentioned that before and i keep forgetting that that we started the podcast and they won their first game of the dan campbell era the next week <laughs> it's been nothing but up since baby unbelievable <laughs> all right so john a wants to know what will happen with cj garner johnson and emmanuel mostly and what would the hit be for cutting cam sutton so 
first of all, I, we've hit on CJ a little yeah. bit. Emmanuel Mosley, I think, will be uh, an intriguing figure to watch in free agency for the Lions. I think they brought him in last year for a reason, and that reason hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is he got hurt again, tore another ACL. It's two years with major ACL injuries. Um, that will definitely suppress his value, and maybe that works in the Lions' favor because they can get him on a more team-friendly deal. And, and when that guy's healthy, he's been a very good number two corner in the league. So um, – I think it's possible he's back mm-hmm. and seeing how present he was throughout his injury in the locker room, mm-hmm. um, kind of mentoring young players, even though he played two snaps for this team. I, I think it's, it says a lot about him and his character. And that's, those are the kind of guys they want to build this thing on. But if someone else wants to pay him more money and take a flyer on those two ACLs, maybe, it, maybe he gets away from Detroit too. I think it's kind of hard to say what happens on that front. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because he was around the building every single day down the stretch. And two snaps, man. He played two snaps for this franchise. There's not a lot of ties there. So I do think that says something. I mean, there's not much more to say. I mean, he was a injury discount last year, and I kind of feel like he'll be an even better injury discount this year. So, I mean, maybe if he gets to actually participate in the offseason program and training cramp, training camp you get to see what that Sutton Mosley combination looked like but I I would I would take the flyer on him for sure if you can if it's if it's a discounted price from last year take that risk because two different torn ACLs in consecutive years for a veteran guy that's a risk lower the expectations but that that's that's one I would like to see get done to be completely honest with you I like that veteran presence for that room period no matter what happens with Mosley there's other moves inevitably coming oh, yeah. at cornerback. They need a CB1 <laughs> in the worst way. Um, and watching Cam Sutton, whom John also asked about, mm. is great oh, evidence yeah. of that. I don't think either of us thinks Cam Sutton is a bad player, but I think he was put in a position this year with the Mosley injury, Jerry Jacobs not playing well, and right. so on. And, and let's be honest, an uh, inconsistent pass rush. I mean, uh, Aiden Hutchinson was fantastic. Other than that, for much of the year, they had nothing. Um, so Cam Sutton, I think for a lot of reasons was put in a position to fail or at least struggle. And he did, he struggled down the stretch. The numbers are real unsightly. I, I wish I would have brought them up before, uh, we hit record, but, um, they're, they were bad. And, um, there's a reason why like, I think like six straight teams had hundred yard receivers down the stretch. Uh, he was traveling with a wide receiver one each of those weeks and, um, struggled with that kind of assignment. Like he's just not. I think he's a solid player who could do good things here as a CB2. Um, but that requires having a CB1, which the Lions didn't have and, and don't have uh, right now. Just to answer the question, because it was asked, you know, the, John was asking about cutting him. And I think maybe some other fans are thinking that way because right. the guy really struggled. And there's no doubt about that. Um, Cam Sutton will be on this team next year. Yes. Um, so his his cap hit for next year is $12.7 million, uh, for each of the next two years, actually. And his dead cap number for this season is 17.7 million <laughs> so doing the quick math for you the lines would oh it would be on the hook for five million more dollars by cutting cam sutton than having him on the team yep so he's going to be on the team but you're not going to pay five more million dollars to get rid of the guy um you're just going to work through the situation and put him in a better position to see uh to succeed uh next year and i think that that means investing in a cb1 whether that's in free agency mm-hmm. early in the draft whatever it might be. And I think it's worth noting the Lions were targeting uh, a CB1 in the draft last year. Devon Witherspoon was their guy. And seeing what Witherspoon did in Seattle, you can understand why. (laughs) And when Seattle took him one spot before Detroit in the draft, they went to plan B. And their plan B was pretty good. It worked out with Mm Jamari Gibbs and Sam Laporta. Um, No hard feelings there. But it left a hole at 
cornerback and that hole remains. Um, yeah. I will say with Cam Sutton, the numbers change next year. Uh, his dead money drops to 6.5 million. Uh, meaning the Lions, if they wanted to cut Cam Sutton after 2024, they would save 6.2 million. So that the cap thing does come into play in 2025 yeah. if Cam Sutton doesn't show better things uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, and we were uh, here at the Dungeon of Doom, one of the leaders of the pack. I think we were like four games into the season. We're like, man, Cam Sutton would be a great CB2, just in such a bad situation. And I did pull up the numbers right there. His last six games, there were three games he allowed more than 100 yards receiving. There were two he allowed more than 140 yards receiving. In all six of those games, he allowed more than 60 yards receiving. So there were just like, it was rough. And it got rough in the playoffs. And it started with that week 16 game. So it, it was rough. And he's 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 a good player. He's proven to be a good player. But he cannot be your top option. And he cannot be your one option. And then you have like a 3B option at CB2 behind him. Like if you can get him in CB2 or even CB1 with an up and comer at CB2, like that is such a better situation. What's going on, everyone? Ben Raven with M Live's Detroit Lions Beat here. Just want to point in the direction of M Live's new Dungeon of Doom Insider Tech Service. Sign up now for a 14 day free trial. And then after that, it's only $4.99 a month to text with myself, to text with Kyle Monkey, and to text with Corey Woods. And not only are you going to get updates and analysis from us with some one on one individual conversations on the side, but you're going to be on the front line to be featured on M Live's Dungeon of Doom podcast when we come calling for mailbag questions. Once again, check out joinsubtext.com slash Dungeon of Doom. 14-day free trial, $4.99 after that. Next question is from Keith in Kent City. There you go. Shout out Kent City. I am <laughs> no one listening. I, I guarantee you no one but Keith. No one but Keith listening to this podcast knows anything about Kent City besides me and Keith that's my it's my hometown it's like a thousand people one stoplight like it was a big deal when I was in high school that they opened a a subway I'm not talking about the transportation I'm talking about the subway shop the the sandwich shop big deal when they built a mobile station and it had a subway inside it that's the kind of place that I'm from that that Keith is from so shout out Keith shout out Kent City um before we lose all of our listeners, I'll shut up about Kent City. Um, <laughs> he wants to know, uh, with the extensions that are likely needed to be done this offseason, do you see us having the cap space to grab any free agents to fill uh, needs, i.e. cornerback or defensive line? The Lions have, I'm just ballparking it, $60 million, yeah. uh, in, in, uh, in cap space for next season that ranks among the top I don't know, seven, eight, nine teams, depending on, on the projections you look at. So they have some some money to play with. Uh, but like Keith suggests, you know, with some of the extensions for Amon Ra, Goff, so on, um, you know, I think a lot of that money will be tied up in keeping their own in town. And I think that's a good mm-hmm. priority to have. But you do need help. I think a lot of the help will come through the draft, as most good teams do, and Brad Holmes has done. Um, but he, Brad Holmes also spent more last year um, than ever before. And I I think, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that was because he saw where this team was going, that they could make a run at it and they needed help in the secondary. So he spent big money on Gardner Johnson and mostly Cam Sutton. Uh, two of those guys missed most of the season because of injuries. And that's not something you can necessarily predict, particularly in, in uh, Gardner Johnson's case. But 
I think we'll see another swing at it, um, you know, th- this offseason, Ben. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a top guy. And I did pull some of the top names because that's that's uh, just to answer Keith's question. Jalen Johnson from Chicago is a free agent. LeJerry Sneed from Kansas City, phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. Uh, also has experience in both the slot and on the outside. He's a free agent. Um, Kendall Fuller in Washington, he's a free agent. I think he could definitely be on the Lions radar. He has experience also playing safety and the Lions love defensive backs who have experience both at corner and at safety. Um, again, though, it's going to take a ton of money to sign players like that. And I'm not sure how that fits into the financial roadmap for this team this off season. And then just real quickly, Ben, and then I'll get some reaction from you, uh, edge rushers, which we all expect them to go after as well. Josh Allen, Brian Burns, Daniel Hunter are all free agents. I think Daniel Hunter is, is one target I would watch in terms of the big ticket guys, just because he fits so much what they want to do defensively and would fill their biggest need. In my opinion, he's a high usage, uh, high motor player played 900 snaps last year, had 70 pressures, double digit sacks, um, so I think that's, that is one big name to watch. Yeah. And I, I, like we touched on a little bit earlier, but like the NFL does like allow you room to spend, even when you have the extensions to do and over, over shout out over the cap, they got a nice little effective cap space estimate, which is a projection after signing 51 players with the rookie class in there. And it's still 45.2 million in effective cap space. So they're going to have some room. And I do think like last year it was a 20 million or 18 mil for Montgomery, 33 for Cam Sutton. There's there's room to stay in that ballpark, whether that's two deals like that or whether they do big go big and hit that 50 mil number for somebody. I I, I do think there is that type of room for one of those big deals. And there's some names out there, man. The cornerbacks are great. You mentioned Jalen Johnson. That'd be a great fit. You know what? Little bro, Stephen Gilmore could have Stefan Gilmore come through on a one-year <laughs> deal. I love that idea. You know, there's some good edge players out there, guys that have underperformed and might take a CJ Gardner Johnson type deal. Like my eyes go to chase young man what happens with him maybe he joins a good team to boost his value there's some there's some good players out there and i do see edge and corner like i feel like that's where you need to go for free agency i think the guard center offensive line maybe a tackle situation that can be done on day one or day two of the draft but i i I do put edge and cb at like go get a veteran starting level player for one of those spots like without question make it happen i think it might depend a little bit on how the lions view Cam Sutton as well. I mean, publicly they've supported the guy and said there's nothing awry there. I think privately they have to think, what do we have on our hands here? And if they think he is a CB1 still and uh, want to build around that, then maybe you get at your corner in the draft. Um, they picked, what, 29th, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so somewhere there or in the second round, uh, and you can get a guy who can play for you. But like you're probably not going to get a CB1, a, a Witherspoon type right. that late in the draft. So if you think Cam Sutton's not a CB1, that you have an urgent need there, that you need help around him, maybe you think Emmanuel Mosley can be that guy. Although, I again, you you can't bank on that with the yeah. injury situation. So that is that is a case where if the Lions say Cam Sutton's not a CB1 and that is what we need uh, to defend the pass better, which they certainly do. It's the biggest weakness issue is on the perimeter. And we saw it time and time again, including in the playoffs then that is a situation where I, I think Brad Holmes could spend real top-shelf money to go get one of these top-tier guys. Um, short of that, though, that's just not been his um, MO throughout right. his time in, in in Detroit, and maybe he sprays that money around. Um, one edge guy that I'm intrigued by for Detroit, Jonathan Greenard from Houston, 53 pressures last year, 12 and a half sacks, 15 tackles for a loss, and he was top 10 against the run. The Lions love 
pass rushers who can defend the run as well. I think he would fit in really well with this team. And he's more like that mid-tier player where you wouldn't have to break the bank to get him. Yeah, there you go. I love it. No, I, we're on the same page with draft and free agency for sure because you're just, yeah, those those elite corners aren't going to make it that far. And pretty much thanks to the Lions taking Okuda third a couple years ago. <laughs> Cam Jones wants to know, I have grown to love Jared Goff this year after being solidly on the fence previously, but Hendon Hooker is waiting in the wings, correct? <laughs> Would it be feasible to wait until next offseason on Goff for a new contract? And what the hell don't we know about Ben Johnson? Love that he is still here, but why is he still here? Uh, I think he's still here because he likes coaching here and it's a good team and he sees a future as a head coach no matter what happens and probably didn't like the situation in Washington. And I think the way Washington has leaked him to, de to death probably affirms his decision that that was not in both parties' best interest. Um, clearly, they were talking different languages and wanted different things. Right. And something Ben Johnson told us is that you need to have aligned vision from ownership to GM to head coach to make the thing work. And that's what we've seen in Detroit. And he, in the hours after the season ending, trying to make life-changing decisions, was like, man, this is a great team. I can come back, reassess next year, maybe have a better situation to land in and the way Washington has leaked him to death about all kinds of things, things that we've already talked about in the podcast. Um, right. I think he made the right decision. We've addressed all of that, Ben. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the golf part of this question. Um, I guess where you land on the golf extension and, and particularly with having Hendon Hooker in the mix. The only way you can wait on the golf situation is if there is like an extreme understanding in agreement like verbal agreement between the two parties like it, because of all the parts you laid out earlier like so much of the success with golf yeah it's through the offensive line i'm on rest st brown ben johnson but so much of it is the public and private support that he's qb1 not just this year next year moving forward. And I, I think you do need to keep him in that headspace. I don't think he's some sensitive guy just waiting to have a mental breakdown and think he's about to lose his job or anything like that. But I do think you need to keep it where it's at, at least mentally speaking. And I, that's why Goff, I mean, get it done. I, that's the one that I think you can wait the least on timing wise. But, uh, and I don't think Hendon Hooker should play a factor in that equation because I mean, shoot, what's he got three or four or five NFL practices under his belt. Like, he is the lottery ticket. He he remains the same lottery ticket that we were talking about 10 months ago, nine months ago when they drafted him. I mean, get a golf deal done, and then when that deal, done, deal is done, then the Hendon Hooker thing becomes part of the equation because there is just so much – there's so much growth and development he needs to do to be a proper QB2 for next season. And that's not talking about his talent. That's just talking about the time he missed. Agreed. Um, so Eric asks – What's the funniest thing you saw or heard in the press box <laughs> this year? Um, ben, I gave it some thought. Nothing really came to my mind. Like, there's, I mean, the press box is always a fun way to watch a game. And not, 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 I'm not just talking about the free food and the, right. the warmth in Chicago and like, you know, the, the free ice cream and beer on tap in Dallas. Like, not just that stuff, but like, it's nice to watch games with colleagues, professionals. Uh, it's a cool, it's, we have a bird's eye view of everything that happens. Um, we're very, 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 very lucky people to be yes. able to um, to observe this beautiful game that way. But when I thought about funniest things, nothing really came to my mind. Did, does anything come to your mind from this season that to answer that question? Two things came to mind because I had some time to think about this. And one, Justin Rogers, he was sick for the Dallas game. So Nolan Bianchi, our good buddy, took over. And I just turned to my right and he's making, he's got like six 
uh, airheads and he's wrapping them in a nerd's rope. Yeah. So <laughs> that was like, the one that came to my mind. Too. <laughs> okay. Was, yeah. And yeah. It's just like the face of the Detroit news, baby. <laughs> and then the other one was uh it was the home playoff game nolan sorry if you didn't want this one out there he's wearing like a nice white like half turtleneck i see eric wood run up to him and dap him up bring him in for a hug and just coffee spills all over his nice white turtleneck so they were both at nolan's expense so <laughs> easily the two that came to my mind yeah um, nothing from the press box for me in terms of funny. I, I mean, no one's uh, airheads is, is pretty hysterical, but, um, when I was biking to one of the games this year, um, I was going through Eastern market here in Detroit and I saw the, the dudes tailgating that have the, um, hot tub and oh, yeah, yeah. those guys always, have you seen that before? Yeah. It's awesome. Top the tub gators. Yeah. They, it's like a hot tub. that's on a trailer that they haul around. And I believe from like pretty far away too, if I remember correctly, so cool. cause I talked to them a couple of years ago on Thanksgiving, but, um, it was a cold day and there's steam coming off the hot tub. There's people in there like just drinking beers and stuff. I'm getting tuned up for the game. Uh, I had a good laugh out of that. <laughs> uh, Joe in Arizona wants to know, here's hoping you're getting some sleep these days. Uh, yes, Joe, we are. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend just the other day said, Kyle, you look pretty good. Like, why do you look so good? Like, well, I've slept for two weeks. Like, it helps. <laughs> um, after watching the Super Bowl kickers blasting long field goals, are we finally going to get a kicker we can depend on from long distance when necessary? Um, and Christian Anderson from Angier, uh, North Carolina, uh, asked, a very similar question um, regarding Jake Moody, the San Francisco kicker, um, third round pick, blasted a, a Super Bowl record field goal until it, the record was broken <laughs> later in that game. Um, and I had the same thought as these guys, Ben, and maybe you did too. I, I'm watching the game, right? I'm naturally just thinking, like, how would the Lions stack up in this game? I had, you know, I, as for, for as much as I love Jared Goff, it's like, man, him against Patrick Mahomes, I, I don't know. And this is like the worst team Mahomes had around him in many years and he still won a super bowl um and one of the reasons was he had a phenomenal kicker supporting him you know butker is is, is amazing um yeah and the lions haven't had that since matt prater forever ago now and um i i like listen like you can win games without a reliable kicker and we saw that this year but the margins shrink in the playoffs it's something we've been talking about for a long time and it's something that can hurt you and it can affect your decision-making. And, and when the margins shrink in the playoffs, it can be that that difference can be more pronounced. And I do fear about the Lions kicker situation, how it stacks up when you get to those rounds, when we're talking about this team actually making the next step and going to the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl, these are the kind of like incremental growth areas that you need to see. Um, I don't know if that means they'll draft a guy in the third round, right? <laughs> um, but drafting a guy could happen. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, you need to make it a priority in free agency because going into another year with a Riley Patterson type or making a kicker change in December when you have aspirations of a Super Bowl, that's, that stuff doesn't seem very tenable to me. No, it doesn't. And I think, and I, I have looked at the kicker free agent market, which made it feel like the offseason is officially here, but there are two names with ties to both Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. Greg Zerline, Greg the Leg. He's 36, he's old, but he's still banging 50-yarders, connections with all those years from L.A., and Will Lutz, who just played for the Broncos last year, Sean Payton ties, New Orleans ties. I, I think free agency is the ticket, because even with Jake Moody's success from distance, it was a rocky ride this year, and I think if the Lions are looking to solidify it, 
you know, obviously don't pay out the butt. There's a reason why they didn't give Matt Prater nine, ten million dollars when Brad Holmes first took over here. I do think that was timing wise, but also you don't want to pay that much to a kicker when you have so many internal options, but or questions. But uh, yeah, I think I think a veteran in free agency, a proven veteran in free agency, not one of these journeyman guys that plays in the preseason for three different teams, and then all of a sudden he's your playoff kicker. Uh, go get a proven veteran. Go get a no-doubt number one entering training camp for the first time in this regime. Like, it needs to happen. Ben, we, we have more questions to get to, but I, I'm just looking at the clock. Like, uh, Ooh, yeah. Against it. <laughs> Keeping Josh waiting. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Um, but good stuff, man. It was nice catching up. I think I've only seen you. I saw you in a meeting earlier this week it's in Ann Arbor. Good. And besides that, I haven't seen your face in a while, which has been lovely. I, I don't mean that as a, no, no offense. I'm no just offense enjoying the, the freaking off season, man. Um, but obviously a lot to get to, too. This was our first podcast since last week, kind of as we, you know, move into more of an off-season mode. Um, but we'll be back again next week. We have yeah. some good things in store going forward. Um, and then the Combine, man, it's looking just a couple weeks away. Um, I really enjoyed catching up, catching up with the Lions Scout last year at the Combine for the podcast. So we're going to yeah, hope, hopefully right. line something up like that. I don't want to make any false promises, but there's some talks being... Uh, that are occurring um, and hopefully we can get some good stuff going forward as we move here into the serious portions of the off season. Absolutely. Yeah. 12 days, man. So pack those bags. Like you said.